Aloha and greetings, dear friends. I'm Andrew Crusoe, and this is Ascendant. Welcome back. A show about personal growth, thoughts becoming things, and our journey from scarcity to abundance. I'm still on the road, of course, but today I'm excited to present a conversation that I had last year with Anthony Bizzone, founder of Slow Your Roll, sometimes activist, and all-around entrepreneurial dude. Seriously, he's an inspiration to me. I'm also honored to call him my friend. In this conversation, he shares how he grew Slow Your Roll, which is a gaming lounge, from a purely online business to a full-fledged brick-and-mortar store. As far as I know, this is the first of its kind on the big island of Hawaii. From fighting for First Amendment rights to getting invited to the White House itself? How does that happen? Anthony has some great stories to share here. I'm really looking forward to sharing this. (laughs) And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to send me a message or rate it on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. This is a really special episode. Enjoy. Today... I have a guest that I've been looking forward to interviewing properly for months. Thank you, Anthony Vizzone, for coming on the show. I want to talk about so much of what you're creating, not just your amazing business, but how you got there, your journey. You you haven't even been on the planet for an extremely long amount of time. You know, you're not like 60, but you've already had so many incredible experiences, some of which you've shared with me. Thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on the show. Hey, thank you very much, Andrew. Really appreciate you uh, inviting me onto the show. Oh, you got... (laughs) It's like we're in San Francisco. There's traffic. Uh, What's kind of... Yeah, I just closed my door. I'm I'm right by a a busy street, so hopefully uh, hopefully we won't hear too much of that during this interview. So we first met about two years ago, I think it was? Yeah, I would say about two years ago now. And we met at your at your business, Slow Your Roll, I think was the first place I ran into you. Slow Your Roll is a gaming lounge here in downtown Hilo on the Big Island of Hawaii. It's kind of funny, when I do an interview through Skype, usually the person's hundreds of miles away. But Anthony, you're like, I don't know, like four miles away? Mm, yeah, probably <laughs> four miles away, yeah. <laughs> Two miles. Ten minutes right away. You're like right there. Before we get into your lovely business and some of some of the experiences you've had, do you want to share why you weren't able to come into my very fancy pseudo studio? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I am. Um, I'm in quarantine right now, uh, so that's why I can't join you in your wonderful studio. Um, so what's happening right now? I unfortunately uh, have a roommate who has uh, contracted or or got COVID-19, so they have COVID. So now, because of that, I am legally um, supposed to stay home for the next, uh, well, it's been three, four days now, three days, so seven more days. So I have to stay home for a whole week and a half. Your girlfriend, and I don't know if there's a way to link to this, your girlfriend posted a video that gave me a lot of joy. I'm pretty sure that in the midst of some stir crazy, do you want to do you want to talk about this? It's really funny. <laughs> Is it the video where my uh, pants are like pulled up above my shoulders? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very uh, funny. You're like you've got your arm. Pretty sure your arms are in your pant legs, and you're yeah. just lumbering. It was it was great. This is what happens when you're in quarantine, guys. I'm so yeah. sorry. Is your roommate okay? I mean, uh, have uh, they yeah, had? No, she's doing fine. Um, I think she's 
she's handling it well. Um, she still has symptoms though, so mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say whether or not I have it. It's hard to it's hard to say whether or not Tori has it, but um, we are just kind of like keeping our distance from her, and she is using the other floor's restroom. So we have two floors in my in my condo. So she uses the first floor restroom, and you use the second floor restroom, and that's to you know prevent any sort of uh, possible spread from happening. Man, you know, you said something interesting um, last week, or yeah, it was about last week, wasn't it? You're like, this, this, and I don't want to make this too, I don't want to fix this in time too much. I want this to be evergreen. But it's been about a year since COVID hit, almost to the day, at least on Big Island. And that was the day that you found out or, or had to quarantine. Isn't that funny? Yep. Yeah, it's exact. It was exactly one year after the day we had to shut down the store. So we shut down the store um, one year ago for roughly three months. Well, we actually did it before the actual lockdowns were announced. Maybe five or six days before the lockdowns were officially announced. But we we decided to close a little early because it didn't seem like there was any business. It seemed like it was getting a lot worse, so we, we just made the decision to close. Mm-hmm. And um, during those three months, it was it was great. Was it? Um, it gave us the opportunity to uh, kind of reimagine the business, re like kind of evolve the business, kind of move things around. So we focused a lot on online sales for those three months. We um, kind of reconfigured how the layout of the lounge is. Well, this is the perfect segue. Like, I, uh, your business, one of the things I love about it, it, I think it's a real theme of of the new century, you could even say, is this this idea of coming back to community, thinking local. We, we you know, we, I think in the 90s, we got super excited about the web, which is very, very exciting, and things <laughs> became very decentralized, but I think we're... Maybe maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but I think that we're coming back to now, man. The 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 local community, the connections we have with our neighbors, are more important than ever in this time. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about. So the the gaming lounge is called Slow Your Roll. Everybody should check it out. Go to slowyourroll.com. Beautiful website, by the way. Thank you. It's fostering this sense of community here in Hilo. Now, Hilo's not a big town, you guys. It's like population 50,000. Um, half of those folks are probably, like, retired. So you don't really... It doesn't feel like a town of 50,000. I think it's just an interesting demographic. I don't yeah. know if you can it's comment weird. on that. It's like a town that's, like, half a college town, but then half just old people. Yeah. Folks. yeah and they're, so so, they're wonderful old people. We have the best old people. Yeah. Our old we, people we will be... the nicest old. folks, yeah. <laughs> We really do. I mean, like Hilo is probably one of the nicest towns you could possibly go to. Like everyone is so friendly here. Absolutely, and uh, and so so in terms of slow your roll, you had you took that opportunity, and it's fostering community in such a wonderful way. You took that opportunity to really reboot the business in some ways. You, I think that's when you put in the new coat of paint. Which, looking yeah. at the photos on even on Google Maps of the interior of the <laughs> store, from those, okay, guys, it was like white stone walls. It was fine. It was clean. But now you have this really, like, relaxing, like, a eggshell turquoise, if that's even a color that I just made up. <laughs> it's like this chill pastel green. And it feels so welcoming. And you've got in one wall, if I could, I'm going to try to paint a word picture for our listeners. So it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's not huge yet. 
But if one wall is just a wall of games, you have, is it true you have over 350 board games now? Yeah, uh, over 350, maybe like 365 or something now. One for every day of the year, folks. Yeah, yeah, one for every day of the year. <laughs> and you've got a bunch of tables, and you sell, uh, you sell all of the all of the card games. I mean, Pokemon. Yeah, so we and... sell. Um, so besides the actual game lounge itself, we sell gaming accessories. We sell a few locally made games. We sell trading card games and um, miniatures, paints, all that kind of stuff. Everything for like a tabletop community. So. You can kind of think of us as like one part game lounge, one part uh, scaled back local game store. Mm-hmm. So on the mainland, they have a thing called the LGS. And so that's kind of like the trading card side of things. But we wanted to like kind of shift it towards a more community focused, low cost, like nerd gaming hub. So that's why we, we, we started with the game lounge and then kind of financing it through the online sales. And it just gets better and better and better. The interior of the store, the community just becomes deeper and richer over time did you ever picture yourself when you were younger starting a business in the first place i, I want to hear a little bit about that's a that's a good question how you came well, yeah to where you are so i want to say the answer to that is yes but i didn't know what ah. uh, i've always wanted to start a business i i know i've i've said it many times i remember when i um when i interviewed for my current day job Mm-hmm. Which, um, for those who don't know, I I actually am an IT guy during the day when I'm not running the game store. But I remember in the interview I said like, oh yeah, one day I do want to start my own business. So, I mean, that was years before Slayer. So, oh, that was during the intake interview. During the actual in- yeah interview to get it, uh, the intake interview, yeah. So. Oh wow. Yeah, and even like I've always had like an entrepreneurial kind of mindset, uh, even in high school. Mm-hmm. So like when I was in high school. I used to repair laptops and cell phones on the mm. side hmm. for some side cash. So I've always kind of had like this mindset of like, oh, I want to like, I want to make my own money for myself rather than working for others, mm. which I mean, I obviously still do that, but um, it's for good now. to know. Have, yeah, for now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to know that like I can make money on my own and I don't have to be dependent per se on, you know, the, the standard nine to five career that, you know, everyone's trying to go for. Well, thankfully, thankfully, not everyone. Everyone, right? But well, um, a lot, yeah, quite a bit of people. But m- most people, you could argue. But where was that, Anthony? Where did that come from? Like, was that seed planted by someone in your family? Was there, was there an inspiration to you at a younger age? Where, like, oh, that person's really had an idea, and they control their schedule. Like, when did it hit you? What what gave you that idea? That's a that's a good question too. Um, you know, I, I I can't think of a particular person who, you know, really inspired me, maybe um, maybe outside of my family. My family, I feel like, a big factor towards um, kind of having the mindset I have today. Like, for instance, my father hmm. actually retired at a relatively young age, hmm. moving to Hawaii in his 40s and not, and like, just kind of retiring from the police force and all that. And he was a realtor, but he kind of worked like quite a few hours, but then you know, by the time he was in his 40s, he was already kind of just lounging around in Hawaii, so... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't have that much when he retired, but he's he had enough to just kind of live off the land and kind of just, you know, hang out with people, so... My experiences with my family, for sure, it, it kind of uh, drives me towards that, like, you know, uh, working to better yourself. Mm-hmm. Very supportive mm-hmm. family, you know what I mean, so... 
It almost reminds me of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you've read that book. That's a great book. It's a great book. And you kind of had, you had a dad that had, had a mindset that lent itself to being an entrepreneur, starting your own business. You kind of got inspired. So he was, he was in the police and then he went on into real estate at some point. Uh, yeah, he was a police officer and then he was a realtor. He was a substitute teacher at one point. Hmm. Um, he was a, he was a bodyguard for Ronald Reagan at one point. Get out of town. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is why I love doing this show. Yeah, I, you know, we've known each other for so long, and you've got so many uh, stories like this <laughs> that I haven't even heard yet. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could have met him. Yeah, he was a really good guy. You would have liked him. You would have actually really enjoyed talking to him. I really feel that. I really, mm-hmm. really feel that. Yeah, well. He did, all, oh God, he did all sorts of stuff. All sorts of, like, weird side gigs. I think he used to do like security at like rock shows too at one, for like a short stint. Yeah, he was doing this sort of stuff. Wow. He seemed pretty. I mean, like having like a police background. He seems like oh, a yeah. tough guy, like a strong, tough. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was a real tough guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he also at one point he was working in the in the prison like a like a jail warden at one point too, and oh, wow. um, yeah, he would have to like regularly like rough up murderers for a living <laughs> so i suppose you have to be pretty tough to have that job <laughs> all right which one of you needs to be roughed up today <laughs> so I wouldn't use that that phrasing but yeah um <laughs> something like that i don't know man <laughs> i'm an author uh, but the <laughs> uh, you know I, i've done some 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 interesting things and had some interesting uh little side things but i haven't done anything quite like that so you studied computer science. Mm-hmm. Did you have a specific end goal for that in mind? Because if you were anything like me, like I was, well, I was pretty overwhelmed by um, really deciding what I wanted to do in college, to be honest. I, I kind of liked everything. And uh, what was that project like for you in terms of like, well, what am I going to, well, I know I like computers. Like, what was the thought? And did you did you have a long-term plan when you were in college of like, well... Maybe if this goes well, then I could bootstrap a business onto the side for this. Great question. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of start back in high school again. So sure. when I was in high school, I wanted to be a film director. No way. I, I did for a very short period of time. And so my senior project in high school was to, um, to, to create a short film. And the process was so horrible <laughs> that it drove me to not want to do film anymore. I had to, I was, well, I think the problem for me was at such a small scale, you're just kind of in charge of like making sure all the actors are there on time and this and that scheduling. And like, I was partially like the producer too. Like it just, it was such a mess. It was, it was fun, oh. but it was a mess. You're basically running like three different businesses at the same time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Kind, but, um, and you're not making money though. Yeah. I mean, this is in high school. We're talking. <laughs> This is my high school senior project. Yeah, I know. I get, I get it. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. it's a bad analogy, but it's like I'm thinking about the different mindsets oh, yeah. and skill sets that that requires. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, it's really funny because I actually had to drop out of a, my second film class, a film production class in college, because I was completely over my oh, head. Oh, yep, yep. I was over my head. And, so, and it wasn't even that large of a project, but I was over my head. And uh, I was like, this is dumb. I'm over this. And so I... Uh, <laughs> When I went to college, I uh, I did computer science because I already knew I had 
I already had like some kind of understanding of computers. I could repair them. I on the you know I'm on the I'm on the internet a lot. I'm, I was thinking in my head like, oh well, that's what computer science is, and like I guess there's a little bit of programming too, right? And uh, <laughs> kind of again going into college, you're like, wow, this is there's a lot that uh, there's a lot there's a lot. <laughs> it, it's Wait, uh, computer science doesn't equals equals internet. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it <doesn't laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's partially logic, it's partially math, part, you know, mm-hmm. uh, problem-solving, creative problem-solving, and it gets into, like, the applications of of what you actually learn. Like, you can have all these skill sets, but if you aren't able to do it in a professional setting, then it really doesn't matter. I, I know tons of guys who went to college with me who I would say are way, way, way better programmers than me, yeah. but have no ability to work in a team. Like, they are just awful oh. to work with. And because of that, I a lot of those guys, I mean, they're they're trying. But, yeah. um, You're saying they're lacking a little bit in the social skills, for perhaps social skills, but not even that. Just I guess, yeah, I guess in the social skills, being able to apply the the kind of learning that you you get out of mm-hmm, that department mm-hmm. and kind of uh, translate it into something that's communicable. Is that a word? Communicable? Yeah, communicable. Sure. Communicable. Close enough. <laughs> okay. See. Well, clearly I'm not an English major, but um No, you you speak well. <laughs> I speak, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Anthony, you know, okay, to 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 maybe to maybe hop on a segue that's on the sidewalk here. I'm going to segue over to the first time I met you, I was like this guy is really emotionally intelligent. And I think that's one of the reasons why Slow Your Roll Gaming Lounge is is such a welcoming perfect place for frankly nerds to gather there aren't that many places on this side of the island so people who who may be somewhere else hawaii is based the big island is basically we think of it in terms of east side and the west side and there's some people who live on the south but it's really east and west are really really different and i think there's is there a game store on kona side i think there's uh, one yeah, there's, there's, there's a there's a there's a game store on the kona side they're called four pillars hobby shop four pillars um, Pillars, yeah, they're a pretty cool place. Um, it's a little different from what we do, so we're more on the um, on the board gaming side, a little bit more casual, kind of just hop in and play whatever you want. Um, on their side, it's more of like um, a lot of like the Warhammer um, large scale tabletop gaming stuff. Um, they oh. do a lot of Magic the Gathering, Man. and they do a lot of like Dragon Ball Z trading card game, which is fairly new. Well, I haven't um, even heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But they don't do, um, as far as I understand, they don't really do too much Pokemon, and they don't do too much board gaming. So that's kind of the two things that we focus on. They're throwing money out the window, Anthony, if they're not doing Pokemon. Oh, I mean, it's, it feels like a bubble right now, but maybe it's not. It, yeah. <laughs> Buble. Yeah, it's a... It's a <laughs> Michael? It, it might be a... <laughs> Michael. <laughs> it, might, it might be a bubble. I don't know. I mean, all I know is, and, and this is kind of another segue we could touch on is, one of the things that has helped the business survive through COVID, it's been such a tough time. You know, people are thinking, oh, this game lounge sounds great. You know, it's cozy. You can come down, you sit down, you buy a drink, and then you play whatever board game you want. You once described it to me as Netflix for board games. You don't have to buy 400 board games. You just come in, you pay $5 for the day, 25 for an unlimited pass for the month, and you can play whatever you want. And, uh, when a pandemic hits, what do you do? <laughs> you know, and I think 
I think it's such a wonderful opportunity that you have a website like TCG Player and the which is a card selling website that I found out through you. That was that was a major reason why Slow Your Roll stayed around, right? Uh, yeah, actually, there's uh, off the top of my head, there's a few things that really kept us afloat during COVID. And um, if I'm missing something, so, yeah, please tell me. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely fine. Um, so the first thing, yeah, absolutely. So the store basically, its foundation was built upon online sales. So before I even opened up the physical retail space, I spent one whole year doing online sales. So we, we might have right. hit like five thousand sales online before i even opened up a physical location and that was to make sure that we had a system in place where when i I remember talking to a few people when i was you know kind of getting closer to opening and i would tell them like i don't even care if no one shows up for the first month as long as we can keep ourselves afloat and just kind of you know uh establish ourselves through word of mouth over time yeah and so that was kind of my thinking for that and um it worked out really well because when we opened up (laughs) Uh, we we started off with um, some events that like the trivia nights that were really successful, which kind of drove revenue. Mm-hmm. But when when COVID kind of hit, uh, we had to close for three months, and so we were lucky enough to get that extra income, or that oh that only income at that point to kind of help us survive. Yeah. So that was one thing. Uh, the second thing was that we were lucky enough to receive quite a few collections. That came in during COVID. We got like uh, you remember the Charizard that I got. Um, mm. That helped. Pay, that basically paid for the rent for the rest of the year. Wow! Wow! So we ended up getting that fancy smancy Charizard that everyone talks about, the first edition Shadowless Charizard. Charizard is a Pokemon for people who don't know. Oh, I feel yeah, like we yeah. should define that. <laughs> yeah, Charizard is a Pokemon. He's uh, cool looking. Wait, maybe that's a unisex yeah. name. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're, they we're, are cool looking. Uh, yes, our our cartoon lizard uh, is genderless. Uh, actually, I think in the game it's a it's a male, but that's okay. Uh, there's male and female Charizards. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't say. Who knows? <laughs> it's, it's a it's a fire breathing lizard. We try to be sensitive. That's all. Yeah. So <laughs> I do feel like we're skipping ahead a little bit, if I could say, because so we're we're surviving a pandemic, which is. You know, having a business where you just having a business that involves a brick and mortar location, mm-hmm. especially on an island where you know most of the economy is tourism, big chunk of it. Uh, what would you say, like sixty, seventy percent, something like that? I don't know. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, a pandemic hits, and we went from this is worth mentioning. We went from I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people landing in the state of Hawaii in a given day, or uh, sorry, hundreds of thousands in a given week to. I think the week once uh, the CDC declared it an actual pandemic, we had like a thousand people in the whole week, Landon. It was this ma- literally 99%. Was that for the whole state? Yeah. The graph fell yeah, off a cliff. I, I think for the island of Hawaii, it was, I feel like it was like under 100 or like it was it was as low as like 70 or something for, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise for me. a day or something. Or maybe it was for a week. I can't remember. I think, it was, yeah, I think it was like 60 people for like the whole, the first day. <laughs> Which is yeah. not a lot of people to land on the big island in any case. So, like, in that situation, that's kind of like the... That's not like the... Uh, to, to borrow a Star Trek reference, that's the Kobayashi Maru of having a brick-and-mortar <laughs> store. Like, there's... You, there, you know, the only way to, to win is not to play. It feels like at first. But you had done the legwork 
ahead of time and when well you know we have an online component to this which is definitely yes. like a life raft but it was when you were starting that did you imagine that it would definitely be a brick and mortar location or how did you get into i always envisioned it being a brick and mortar eventually that was always the plan and where did the name come from? I want to ask that before I forget. Was that a process of what was that hard to find choose the name because I'm the kind of person where I will obsess and reflect on a name for months and months and months until I go, "Yes." You know, I, I don't remember exactly what exactly sparked it, but I do remember around the time that the name was kind of finalized, it was something that I was saying a lot. I think maybe like <laughs> while playing magic or something. It was just like, huh, like just gotta slay a roll. Like it's it just kind of a play on words because it's like you know Hawaii's all about like hanging loose, right? So mm-hmm. slowing your roll is like oh just calm down, like you know just chill. But at the same time, obviously it's a play on dice. Mm-hmm. So it's a it, it was the perfect phrase to name a game store that's also located in Hawaii. Absolutely. I imagine you saying it to your friends if they're a little bit amped up. Hey man. Hey, man, sl- slow your roll, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then you, so you're, 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 you're selling cards on TCG Player. You're building it over time. And then, and we talked about this in an interview. Let's call it a lost interview, even though it's not. Kind of a preliminary interview we did last year where you had been eyeing your current location for a while. And it's downtown. It's super cozy. It's above a really nice noodles place, sushi place. And you'd been looking at that spot for a while, and it was occupied and occupied and occupied. Yep. Can maybe tell a little bit about like how, how that kismet came together? Yeah, absolutely. So I was eyeing that place for quite some time, for months for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a, it was like a sports nutrition store that was there. And they didn't last for long. They weren't doing so well. They didn't really advertise the space or anything. Hmm. They ended up closing shop. I don't think they even lasted six months. And I do remember I was just driving in downtown because I'm I'm always hanging out in that area anyway. I pretty much live on that street. But <laughs> so I saw really? that. Yeah, well, we got noodles. You got like the one of only two pubs in town. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, okay, we got three now. We got it's Temple. There's a lot. There's a lot of pubs actually, but. <laughs> So I was driving down the street one day, and I saw that they had a four-lease sign, and I remember pulling to the side and calling to see if I could schedule some time to take a look at the unit. Mm-hmm. And this is, what's kind of funny is, like, this was, like, a couple weeks before I was supposed to go to Japan for a vacation. Oh, yeah. So I already had this vacation plan, but I was like, wait, I want that spot. I want that spot more than anything. it's it's such a good location i i look at those windows all the time and there's nothing there it makes me angry so i went and saw the unit a very small unit but i was like okay Mm -hmm. you know i think this could work where where it is is just so good um the parking is there's parking in all directions everything about it was just it was just there's a lot of things that looked good um despite the smaller size Mm -hmm. and so i immediately asked to uh to sign a lease we negotiated i got a really good rate and um, then, right after signing the lease, I went to Japan. <laughs> How then, long were you in Japan? That's that's definitely on my bucket list. Two, two and a half, maybe three weeks? Two and a half weeks. Let's nice. say two and a half weeks. And the whole time you were probably thinking, this is going to be sweet. This is the best location. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. Like, 
What a happy <laughs> time. Yeah, so as soon as I came back, then I started working on it. Was that scary? I mean, that's your first, you know, your first location. You're you're really you're laying out an investment. You probably have some some cushion cash from selling Pokemon and Magic the Gathering cards on TCG Player, but maybe can you describe a little bit about, you know, taking that risk and kind of going out on a limb for your first location? That's kind of an interesting mindset. Let's see. So put it into perspective, I took basically all my savings from the last three years to buy starting product and stuff. Yep. And then I had uh, the last like two, three thousand dollars to my name I used as like the buffer capital. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. What you shouldn't do when you're starting a business is uh, run on a shoestring like that. But yeah. uh, I, I pretty much started the business with a few thousand dollars and my card collection. Yeah. So. But you already had some cash flow. Like you could. Oh, yeah. You could kind of predict, I'm going to make this much from selling a TCG player and, and yeah. locally. So I was I was turning a profit on the online store, mm-hmm. and so I figured worst case scenario I could break even on the store with a physical location because I wasn't I wasn't having I didn't have any employees. Yep. Um, it was literally just like my only new expense now was paying for the the space. So you know rent, electricity, internet, and um, like insurance. So it was like okay, well now I have this new. Eight hundred, nine hundred dollar, or thousand dollar bill. Yep. And so I just had to make sure I could at least make that much, and then enough to like get new stuff. So you know, cost of replacement, and that stuff. So yeah, I uh, it was it was definitely on a shoestring, <laughs> kind of starting out. That's kind of how it is. I mean, so so this would have been early twenty nineteen, mid twenty nineteen. Uh, mid twenty nineteen was when I signed the lease. Okay. So I signed the lease. In May. Uh, yeah. So we had a soft opening and a grand opening. I think I was at the soft opening. Yeah. I remember you said once it was you and Daryl at one point early on. I think it was mm-hmm. Daryl sitting around the store going, okay, how do we get people in here? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. That was, that was pretty much, it was funny because I remember, <laughs> I remember the grand opening. We were so full. We had, I don't know. Way too many people stuffed in there. Maybe like fifty people were stuffed in that room. Where everyone, we, it was great because we had. Um, Watch out, the fire marshal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was way too many people were in there. We had um, the folks over at Hawaii Con. They just finished up their convention and they had a bunch of like extra beer, so they decided to be the. Uh, they decided to BYO their own beer and they brought like a whole cooler. Yeah, it was crazy. We had, we had all that stuff going on. Um, People were, were buying, well, people were buying me shots of booze to, well, they bought me a bottle and they kept giving me shots. Hey, you only have uh, one grand opening, man. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, and it was funny because um, I remember thinking like, wow, we did so good. We had $700 in sales. I was thinking like, wow, damn, we're, I'm going to be so filthy rich. Like, <laughs> You're just like so rubbing funny. your hands together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. $700. <laughs> Months of we work. covered the whole month in one day. Come at me. Yeah. Yeah. And then day two happened mm. and no one showed up on day two. Nobody. Nobody showed up. It was me and Daryl. And we, we were just sitting and we're like, damn, <laughs> like this is, that's not, that's not what we expected. Um, yeah. The drop off was, 
was like oh, they were like, all hung over man they're all sleeping it off that's probably what it was but um that was <laughs> what went through my head what my what, <laughs> what went through my head was like oh shit did people just kind of go here and think like hmm, this is okay and then just bail oh so, um yeah it was it was kind of a scary time the first maybe the first month month and a half because we were just like okay well i guess board games aren't enough to get people in here so what should we do so that's what kind of started like messaging people just getting word of mouth out and then kind of drafting up some some more um kind of social events so that's kind of where we got into the idea of doing trivia nights and learn to play boards great idea oh yeah those those two combine those two events i think helped really drive new customers to the shop in the early days for sure well it feels a lot like if there is any parallel to my business this is the one parallel, which is we are fighting obscurity. Yeah. That is the greatest enemy that we have. And the advantage that you have is different from the advantage I have. The advantage that you, well, you have several advantages, but one of them is, especially now that you have this window facing the street with these beautiful stickers on the window of the logo and, and magic, the magic logo and Pokemon logo, you have so much, foot traffic and eyeballs looking at that window that you you bring people in especially as more people are coming back you know but but how did you get through those first few months it was just a lot of experimentation i suppose <laughs> um i would say in the first in the first 2 months it was basically just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks hmm. and when we we had a hit immediately with trivia night, I remember when we were talking with Daryl, we were we had a couple ideas, a couple theme stuff, and then we got a couple other friends involved, and we started this idea of rotating hosts, and that did wonders. Having different hosts do the trivia nights every every Wednesday, we we had different themes, so we would do. Um, I think we had like a horror theme, we had a Harry Potter theme, we had regular trivia, we had a drug themed one. We had all these different <laughs> themes. <laughs> okay. the drug themed Tell one. me about the drug themed one. Okay. You okay, can't yeah. just say that and not or, describe or get it. Shut down. Um, basically, it get was shut a, down? Uh, I, well, this is an explicit <laughs> podcast anyway. It's fine. <laughs> so the, so the drug night, um, it was just like various questions on like chemistry and other like dr- loosely drug things. Um, maybe like, <laughs> maybe like a round on movies that involve drugs Stuff like that. So it wasn't really about drugs, but oh. there was one round where they made a bunch of candy drugs. Like, you know how, like, there's gummy bears? So it'd be, like, gummy, some sort of drug, or, like, chalk, like white chocolate would be a different drug. And it was, like, in the shape of drugs, right? Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so they would hand it out to the tables, and you were supposed to identify which drug was what based on the chocolate. It was pretty funny. I am so disappointed that I didn't get to make it to any of these because I worked at one of the markets every Wednesday mm-hmm. night, and I could I never made it to one of those. And now that everything's pretty different, I'm really looking forward to going to one of them because I, I heard oh, so yeah. many good things about the. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, yeah, the the trivia nights. There was there was a lot of people who'd show up to those. It was pretty consistently getting packed. To the point where we had to turn away teams Whoa. quite often. Actually, it was it was it was a full house, and this is a pre-COVID full house, so like an actual full house. <laughs> so we would we would be we would be very full. You just can't move. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the door? I don't know. 
Do you have any um, advice for people? I know it's kind of a different world now, but for people who want to start a brick-and-mortar business, besides maybe wait until the pandemic is entirely over, do you have any advice for somebody thinking along those lines? Maybe bootstrap Um, as much as they can online first, if it's even possible for the business they want to start. I know that's kind of an open-ended question, but I thought I'd throw it out there. No, that's a great question. Um, if I I thought about that, if I've had to if I had to re kind of redo what I did, I 100% think that any business today should be should have some sort of online element to it. Um, I don't care what kind of business it is; it needs to have some way to get com- uh, customers or whatever you know your clientele to you. The new leads. There needs to be leads. There has to be lead generation somehow on the internet. In terms of bootstrapping. Hmm. Highly recommend it. If you're going to do that, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about too much financing. You can run it on a shoestring budget. Like, uh, like for example, if <laughs> if I didn't run, if I didn't open a game store, mm. the other idea I had in my head was uh, a music lounge where you had a bunch of vinyl records and mm. you could just kind of pick records and play the records and just hang out. So it was like the op- It was like basically slow roll but with records. 2.0, Well, yeah, you're you're was... gonna expand into that next next door unit. We can, oh, yeah. you know, that would be pretty cool if you had some space for vinyl in there. But I oh mean, god, well we wouldn't, we wouldn't <laughs> probably not. I would need a whole nother location for that. But that was <laughs> that was another idea I had in my head because I'm I'm a big vinyl uh, vinyl nerd. But that's a whole nother interview. We could we could spend an hour talking about. That. I can't believe we haven't talked about that. Yeah, maybe maybe another well, we time. We talked about music before. You have really good music taste. We have. Thank you. Yeah, we I think we've talked about Vampire Weekend a little bit. I don't know if we've talked about Depeche Mode. Sometimes they're mm. a little sad, but they got some good songs. Uh, most of us. <laughs> I I have I have a I don't usually um over prepare for an interview, but I I was looking just now at the couple notes I took. I just I got to ask you this question. I wrote this down last night. Like you said, and this is this is another segue of you could have had a gaming or a music lounge. You decided to go with a board game store, which I'm really, really glad you went with that. Because we already have a music lounge, if you think about it. We have a f- couple, but there's one oh, that yeah. I'll definitely plug because they're fantastic. They're semi-closed right now. You can probably guess what I'm thinking of. Uh, Cuckoo Wow Studio yep. is a fantastic jazz. They do open mics and jazz nights and... But, you know, it, it seems like board games, if I could guess, it was a, a big part of your childhood. Are there any foundational experiences that come to mind? Like, did, did you play board games a lot with your father or maybe with your brother? And was it when, like, how young were you when you realized this is really a, a really powerful way to bring people together through gaming? Great question. When I was younger, I definitely did play quite a bit of board games. Um, just growing up, off the top of my head, some of the ones that we played a lot, we played a lot of Monopoly, unfortunately. I'm not a fan of Monopoly. Um, we played a lot of Scrabble, played a lot of Clue, we played a lot of Stratego. Hmm. So we played a lot of like these, you know, these classic, classic board games. And um, it's funny, because for a long period of time, I didn't really, I didn't really play too many video games, or sorry, board games. I went into more video games hmm. for a while. But one thing with video games that you don't really get with board gaming, board gaming you get um, it's you know it's more of a social interaction when you're 
you're actually physically there sitting with a person interacting with well, it's face to face it's so personal it's very personal it's very it's very intimate in a way like you can mm-hmm. you can kind of just sit with a person you can talk with them about other stuff while you're playing the game uh it's not really i mean you can do that to an extent on with video games but it, with with the way the world is right now with mm-hmm. like everything is so online everything is so everything's so digital it's it's kind of funny coming from someone who has an IT background, but it it, it is nice to have something to kind of turn back to mm-hmm. and be like, hey, this is human interaction, mm-hmm. and we can have fun having it at the same time. I definitely relate to what you're saying. I mean, I used to be a web designer, and I definitely have taken a step back from my screen time, especially, you know, <laughs> in COVID, it was just seemed like it was all about Zoom or any of the other you know, video chatting services, and so much of our time was in front of a screen. So slow your roll and and places like it feel like, you know, I don't think it's too far off to say they feel like kind of an antidote to being in kind of an unnatural situation, right? We're not meant to be in boxes all the time looking at flats, especially screens that aren't even 3D. Come on, people. We need to have some 3D screens, but... Um, it's such, it's such a personal experience. It, it feels, it feels like what the world needs right now is more connection and, and less, you know, less abstraction. The internet's extremely powerful and it's indeed how we're doing this interview, but I think maybe we're coming to a better happy medium with it. Uh, at least I hope. Possibly. Hopefully. Um, that's a, that's a great way of putting it, um, like an abstraction from the human uh, experience where we're mm. kind of experience like it, interacting with each other as humans but <laughs> you know, there's it's there's a level removed from it right so mm. with with at least board gaming and kind of how i envision slow roll it, it, it is more of a it's, it's more of bringing it back to back to basics as far as like social you know as, as human interaction is concerned so yeah i once had the Incredible honor to interview a Hawaiian Lomi Lomi practitioner named Harry Uhani Jim. And I asked him a question. I'll probably ask you in a little bit of like, how, how do you see the future going forward? And his answer was one word, local. <laughs> and it feels apropos in this part of the conversation, you know, where we have these, uh, this ability to, you know, we can order stuff that was made on the other side of the planet and get it delivered within a few days if we want to. But we're realizing how fragile the infrastructure can be sometimes. You know, we had two large cargo ships coming into Hilo every week. I think it was every week, right? And then COVID hit, and they scaled that back to one. And there's certain places you could really notice that. Like, whoa, hey, the freezer section over here. We take for granted, at least I used to, take for granted the supply chain, <laughs> and if we can be a little more conscious, I think it's a little different here in Hawaii because we are on the most isolated population center on the planet, especially Oahu as a population center. It's like there's nothing within, what, 3,000, 4,000 miles. But I think it's true in the mainland of the United States. It's true in Europe. It's true in Asia of being aware of where your stuff comes from and the limitations around that. The more we can consciously use our local capital, I think the better it is for the community. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. I feel like Hawaii in general has has a lot of potential in terms of 
where it can be positioned in the future. Mm. No, tell me about that. Yeah, for example, with the way things are kind of uh, shifting with more online work, there's no reason for Hawaii not to become, you know, this major hub for, say, like tech individuals or just like um, just people working from home, which it seems like it's shifting towards that already. Yeah. So there could be a lot of potential money coming into the islands from that. As well as like just smarter individuals and just like a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of like brain power coming into the islands, right? Mm. I think that's going to be really nice. I also think that especially with how interconnected the world is today, we're kind of like the center point between, you know, obviously the <laughs> East and the West. So Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I always call Hawaii the last wild west because when it comes to the U.S., you can't go any further west. And there's definitely parts on this island that feel like the wild west in a really charming, great way. Yeah, actually. But we are between. <laughs> uh, we're basically, yeah, we, it's totally true. We're between, like right oh, kind of between are... Japan and California. Yeah. And, and uh, there's no reason why we can't use that to our advantage for instance um asian countries maybe after hours like uh like call centers stuff like that like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, potential with our location we're we're unique in in our time zone but we're, we're you know we're unique in how we can operate too it's it's kind of weird like uh, like you were saying with the boats like uh you know we mm-hmm. are at a disadvantage in, as far as things coming into the mm-hmm. into the state but I do feel like if we shifted our our mindset towards a more intellectual kind of uh, economy here, hmm. I could see I could see Hawaii being a real powerhouse just due to due to like the the location. People love it here, right? So there's no reason yeah. for people to to work here and do things that can can benefit the community here. Yeah, it's true. Um, I want to ask you about your the incredible thing that happened to you at the Constitution. Do you have, like, 15 more minutes? I'd love to hear that story. No, I have plenty of time. Okay, cool. Because yeah. a little bit of a pivot, but I want to make sure we touch on this. You had, you've had you had two really interesting stories happen to you. I don't know if we have time for both. Well, not just two, but you have two that you've told me regarding some interesting... Um, you had an experience where you went to D.C., and you also had an experience, I, I I get these stories mixed up a little bit sometimes, so please forgive me, but you had an experience where, you know, you, you got your undergrad at UH Hilo here in town, mm-hmm. and you were part of a group, and you were handing out copies of the Constitution, yep. and you were told to stop, and it it kind of got weirder from there. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's such an interesting story. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose we could talk about that for a bit. Um, so in a former life... It's a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Back when Obama was president. Oh. <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I, was, I was somewhat of a political activist in, in a... In a mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in a sort of... Yeah. Can you so, describe, like, were you, were you, like, left-leaning? Were you libertarian? People might be curious. So, yeah. So, in college, I was more libertarian, if anything, because of the fact that I was... I felt like I was, um, you know, fiscally conservative, socially very liberal, and I wanted to. I, I was trying to find like a like a political movement that really kind of matched what I was, you know, kind of feeling and well, thinking. It resonated and so, with you. Yeah, I resonate with. And um, yeah, there was a there was a group that came out at the time. It was called uh, Young Americans for Liberty. They've changed quite a bit 
from hmm. from those days. But I, I I don't feel like they're very libertarian anymore. But anyway, so I I, I joined those guys and we we had a a chapter at UH Hilo and we did all sorts of events. It was basically kind of the purpose of the events we had were to just kind of start conversation. I love that. We would basically we would have like let's say we'd have a pizza day, right? So we'd have pizza. We'd have maybe we'd watch like a couple like short films on some topics and then we would just debate about it and it was like whether we agreed or not on things it was it was great because the people that i met through that all had different kind of opinions and Mm kind of opened up my mind to you know just a lot of different topics just seeing things from different perspectives and it definitely i can i can say it did change my mind on on some things and so it was I, i it was a really cool club um, so anyway, we had one of the, the things we were doing at a tabling event. So tabling events, um, you know, like at the beginning of a semester, it's where you're kind of like recruiting people to be part of your clubs. Hmm. Oh, so every club sets up a table. Yeah, yeah. And so they 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 set up our table in the far corner, kind of away from all the other tables. Oh no! But um, our club has gummies. We make jokes about yeah. drugs. Just kidding. That's a different yeah, club. Exactly. Yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, one of one of the people. One of one of our fellow um, members uh, went past the table to like kind of hand copies of the Constitution out to to people, being like, "Hey, like you know, you should join our club." This and that. Yeah. I think I think Constitution Day was very close to that day, so it was kind of tied in. And so, you know, people were enjoying it. They were talking, having conversations, and um, then the man stepped in. Yeah. Then then the man. Was, uh, one of the one of the university administrators basically kind of shut it down. Damn man. And. Um, they were saying like we have to stay in our corner, and even though there was no foot traffic there, and oh, so they were objecting to you. Yeah, they were objecting. Kind of walking around, doing this transgressive thing. Anthony, how dare you hand out the United States Constitution? <laughs> yeah, to people, well, um, to people in the yeah, world, to the club. Yeah, they were. They <laughs> definitely didn't. They definitely. Uh, they didn't like it. And so anyway, huh. um, I think it was myself and two others from the club. We. We went and had a meeting with the camp, one of the campus administrators, and they were giving us all sorts of lip service, basically saying that, mm. like, oh, you know, we appreciate all clubs on campus. <laughs> all but, the great clubs. <laughs> yeah, all the great clubs. But your particular <laughs> club, we need to approve things longer than other clubs and this and that. And, like, they're giving us all this, all sorts of stuff. And we felt like we were really being cheated out of, like, our chance of um, running events. And so... yeah. Uh, we were talking to another chapter, and they were saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is actually a common thing on university campuses, that universities will kind of cherry-pick who's allowed to do events and this and that. And it's actually, it's against our rights as, you know, individuals on, on a public campus, this and that. Yeah, it's so, a public university. It's a state university. It is, yeah. It's a state university. And, yeah. you know, we are paying a tuition, so we should at least be allowed to do, we should at least be allowed to do what everyone else is doing. Why are we the odd man out? Can I play devil's advocate for a hot sure. second, though? Please. Were they, were you putting, were you putting, like, your own flyer inside the Constitution? Like, was there an angle that they didn't like about this, or? Oh, yeah, so they were saying that we were blocking the flow of traffic, but um, okay. that can't be because we were, one, in the corner, so we kind of had to be in a different spot, and two, all the other tables had people in front of their tables. So it wasn't like anyone else was blocking traffic. It was just us for some reason. Even though we were 
adhering to the rules as best we could. So you probably had some thoughts and theories about what the real problem was. Yeah. What was the real problem, do you think? (laughs) Well, the real real problem was the fact that they didn't like the idea of a political group doing events on campus. So they were pretty much doing everything they could to kind of delay things or just like, you know, just say like, oh, shoot, like uh, you need to give us four weeks in advance to do this event. Oh, sorry, someone else you know, has that time slot. It's like, dude, we gave you a month. Why can't, why can't we have any of these time slots? Or why can't we, like, why can't we meet up on on campus here? It was just, um, especially for like a libertarian ish group. That's pretty chill. Like I was libertarian for a little while. That's pretty chill. (laughs) It was pretty chill. Like, like, let's, let's not spend all the money. Yeah. It was like, just don't spend all the money. Let the gays be gay. Like it was, that was, that was it. Like let the gays be gay. Yes. Hell yeah. It was, it was like, why not let people have drugs? Who cares? Like, just live your life. And like, if uh, yeah. if you infringe on my rights, then then there's a problem. That was yeah. basically the gist of it, right? That's yeah. that's libertarianism at its core. But anyway, hmm. so we got in contact with another another chapter, and they recommended that we t- contact some lawyers and see, like, legally ha- what what's going on. Had you ever done that before? Had you ever reached out to lawyers? No, never have. Yeah, and so um, reached out to. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, also known as FIRE. FIRE! And there's a great YouTube video of you being interviewed by FIRE. Yeah. You're so young. Long time ago, long time ago. Can we link that? Can we link that in the show notes, or would you rather people not? Um, yeah, you can link that. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's and really so, good. It's really good. Um, they recommended uh, we actually file a lawsuit because of the fact that that exact organization had... Uh, multiple times looked at the speech codes for the University of Hawaii and noticed that it was it was basically infringing on um, you know people's constitutional rights, like First Amendment kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they recommended we sue. It would be an open shut case. And it was I remember at the time I was kind of terrified because I I just uh, I mean you know. Suing a university is kind of scary. Dude, right? yeah, I would have been, uh, I mean, explicit tag, I would have been kind of scared shitless yeah. in, in the beginning of that, of like, oh, God, if this goes wrong, yeah. I'm going to owe the lawyer $55,000. Yeah, it was... it was Goes through your mind, right? Yeah, it was, it was terrifying, and... Um, <laughs> Arbitrary number, but, you know, somewhere yeah, in there. It was terrifying, and, and it was not one of those things where you can just be like, let me go talk to one of my friends who can give me some insight as to what I should do. Oh, like, no. I don't know anyone at the time who sued anyone, never mind sued a university. Yeah. And um, anyway, so we did the lawsuit. Who was responsible for that? Like, who was, uh, was were you financially liable in that, or was it through no, the... No, so the, the, the contract that we signed... Uh, I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it, but oh, the, okay. gist it is, the gist of it is... Uh, if we won, we paid lawyer fees. If we lost, it was pro bono. Okay. Yeah, that was the gist of it. So, that sounds about so, right. And the, and the lawyer fees would come out of the, you know, whatever it was that we paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, the, and, and oh, actually one other side funny note. The lawyer, the head lawyer, was the same lawyer for Janet Jackson when she had the nipple slip uh, from the Super Bowl. <laughs> You got the Janet Jackson lawyer. We're in. It's like yeah. that's when everybody in the club just like high five and we got so, this. Yeah. So that was um, Bob Corn Revere. That was our head, our head lawyer. Uh, shout out to Bob. That was you. really cool. Thank, thank you, Mr. Uh, Corn yeah. Revere. <laughs> He's Corn Revere. Corn Revere. Two part last name. What an interesting name. But uh, yeah, he he's the he was the lawyer for Janet Jackson during the uh, the nipple slip thing, 
And anyway, so he was he was our head lawyer. Uh, yeah, you know, the university folded like a day later. They were like, uh, "Oh, these are real lawyers." Uh, <laughs> kind of change their speech codes, and so they changed it. They changed their speech codes for the entire University of Hawaii system, not just Hilo. Whoa. So all, all seven campuses or whatever had to had to basically change their speech codes to kind of fit with the First Amendment, because currently it was written in a way where Whoa. it was like we got to pick and choose who could do stuff. That doesn't yes. sound like the Bill of Rights to me, sir. Yeah, yeah exactly. This doesn't sound sir. constitutional. So, um, yeah, so that, that happened. That was an interesting time in my life. And uh, during during all of that, part of the obligations of kind of uh, working with that organization is they'll kind of fly you out and do some speaking gigs. So I, I did, um, I flew up to Philadelphia twice. They flew you out. Yeah, they flew me out. It was all paid for. That's so cool. You must have felt like a VIP or something. Oh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and the organization has never said, Andrew, we are flying you here. It hasn't happened yet. It'll probably happen at some point. I, that uh, just seems like, you know, kind of, it must be kind of an honor. You know, they're probably not like paying you for the speech, but, you know. Well, I mean, they paid for everything. They paid for everything else, man. Yeah. So they paid for the flight, the, the hotel, they paid for the food, they paid for pretty much everything, right? So pretty cool. And it was it was for basically um, kind of like a, a political co- convention about uh, free speech and kind of constitutional rights. Is this when you got to meet the president? No. Well, yes, and okay. it's a long story. So we're actually <laughs> going to talk for quite a bit about this because now, yeah, <laughs> I've opened a can of I've yeah, opened a beautiful can of, can of words. This is a great story. Yeah, go ahead. In order for you to to know the DC story, you have to have this context. Oh, okay. This entire story is the reason why, right? So. So we went, yeah, so they flew me out two times to, to Philadelphia, and both times we had to do, like, a, a little speaking thing. So the first time, uh, it was, like, with a panel of people who were currently going through litigation with their respective universities. Kind of just not without giving them too much detail, uh, we had to, like, kind of explain the process and, like, how they infringed upon our rights and whatnot. So these are people from other universities that were in a similar boat as you had been. Yes. What's really funny is the audience was mostly Ivy League students. Oh, you you round fancy people now. Yeah. So the, the the audience was almost all Ivy League students, and then um, the guys who were actually talking, a lot of them were just like like you know University of Hawaii Hilo, like small universities. Mm. So that was really cool. But yeah, it was it was odd being like hmm like. This is really weird. Just uh, like everyone is so sophisticated, and I'm just some guy from Hilo. You're, you're surrounded by a lot of sharp dressers. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what am I doing? But had you had you had much experience public speaking? I mean, uh, you know, the old joke, often repeated joke, is that people are more afraid of public speaking than death. How how was your relationship? I think it bears asking. What was your relationship like to public speaking going into this? If you're being asked to. Uh, I was horrible at public speaking, and I think I'm still horrible at it to this day. Were you going up there alone and talking about it, or were you up there? No, with... no. So both times I was on a panel, so it was a little bit like I, I was comfortable. Oh. If I was by myself, I would have been like shitting myself. Yeah, it's 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 intimidating. <laughs> you have a lot of people, and uh, and they're and they're judging you. And, yeah. and if you're lucky, they're doing it silently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, they were luckily they were yeah they were probably just judging me silently, so it wasn't too bad. So this is where it gets like the, the quinky dinks start lining oh, up. Oh boy! So one of the one of the people that I met at that 
particular event later down the line worked for a particular president with orange hair or orange face huh. hair. I wonder so, which one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, huh. One of them. So anyway, so this this gentleman ended up working in the White House a couple years later, or like yeah, four years later or whatever. You met somebody who was who's in the orange man's cabinet, oh, yeah. man's or cabinet. like an, ascent, an, 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 an assistant. I can't even tell you. What, I can't tell you what position they had. Oh, oh, not, okay. Not on the podcast. Okay. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of the context for how the reason as to why I went to the White House. Uh, it was to sell. It was basically. It was. It was. Oh wait, wait, wait. Let me. Let me give you. Uh, so I'm fire just, basically I'm, recruits you though, and you're like, okay, we won. You're in the club now, buddy. You're you're in, kid. Uh, we're gonna fly you, and you can you can help out other people. You get some cool experience. You're on a panel that goes in your CV, uh, which Americans call a resume, and. And you're you're kind of having a, a cool series of adventures and growth experiences. This sounds yeah. great so far. Yeah, I definitely didn't put it on my resume though. <laughs> oh, you got to speak at a panel. Like, yeah, that seems like a resume it's thing. Organizations. Yeah. We, we you know like is this guy going to sue us next? Like I don't know. I, I didn't put it on the resume. Very but, exciting. Um, so so yeah. Uh, long story short, we won the lawsuit, and then you know life continues on, right? Mm-hmm. So a few years later. Actually, it's hilarious because the story continues on to St. Patty's Day a couple years ago. Okay. So St. Patty's Day a couple years ago, mm. I'm I'm at the Hilo Town Tavern, mm. and I'm drinking Irish car bombs. I'm getting mm. absolutely wasted. Mm. When Can all you of a sudden, remind I, me what's in an Irish car bomb? I don't think I've had that. Um, it's like Bailey's and like other stuff. Okay. Um, Irish whiskey, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> anyway, so I get a phone call from Washington D.C., and I'm like, I'm very confused. Huh. Like, I don't know what this is. Whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick it up. Uh, <laughs> and they, they leave a message on the phone, and the message, I'm not even gonna look at it, right? Because I'm out drinking. I go oh, home. You're, you're having fun, man. You gotta screen your calls when you're drinking I, Irish car bombs. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna listen to robocalls, right? I'm mm-hmm. not gonna listen to spam. Mm-hmm. So I go home, and then I get, I get a Facebook message. Oh boy. From my friend who I met from, you know, back then. And he's like, hey, did you get so-and-so's phone call? Uh, we want you at the White House this Thursday. Can you make it? I'm like, huh? And then I... And you're on an island about 4,000 miles as the crow flies. And what day of the week is it? Uh, I want to say it was Sunday. Okay. It was Sunday. <laughs> it was Sunday, yeah. So it was Sunday, and they wanted me there Thursday. Hmm. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, I don't understand what's happening. So on Thursday, the president of the United States was signing an executive order basically kind of stating that universities are required to uphold students' constitutional rights or risk losing federal funding. Yep. It's actually a really good executive order uh, as far as I'm concerned, that sounds um, pretty. It was, it was a pretty fair. It's a pretty fair one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like basically, if you're a school, you basically need to listen to all types of students. You need to respect all the students and their rights. Otherwise, you lose funding. Sounds pretty fair because you know it's the students and the taxpayers who pay for these universities, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm pretty. I'm pretty uh, confused. I'm happy. I'm drunk. <laughs> and uh, um, you got we, you, you've been drinking Irish car bombs, and then the White House is calling you. Uh, yeah, everything, everything's coming up roses. Yeah, it's, it's a normal. It's just a normal day, right? And <laughs> it's so, a normal Monday. It's a normal Monday. Sorry, and Sunday. So, <laughs> Sunday, yeah, Sunday. So I call. 
I call my parents. I tell them, like, hey, I don't know what to do. Like, what's going on? Should I go to this thing? And then they're like, yeah, you know, if you can, I mean, why not? How often do you get to go to the White House? It's a, you know, like, people don't get invited into there very often. And um, And you already had your IT job at this point. I had my IT job, and I had to call my boss after my family. And my my boss, (laughs) oh, that's right. I forgot. How could I forget this? So... At work, at my IT job, I was supposed to cover for two other people that week because one of them was in Cancun and the other was in Canada. So I was supposed to, I was supposed to be covering basically the shifts for my team, and I, lo and behold, have to also go somewhere. And um, Sorry, Mr. Matt, Manager, course, um, the, the United States president requests my presence. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was, uh, uh, it involved having to explain this to the CEO of the company as to why, you know, why I'm bailing, why, why am I bailing my team when everyone else is on vacation? Oh yes, because I'm also going on vacation. Why not? Is it a vacation was, if if the president's involved? It was, I don't know. Like, Had you met the CEO before this? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. The CEO at my at my particular company is like a few doors down. Well, actually, less less than a few doors down. Oh, very wow. close. I don't I don't want to say how close, no, no. but very close. Shh, don't say. Um, he can hear you uh, when you're typing. It's not a big deal. Yeah, he, okay, he can hear. Yeah, he could, he could hear me if I if I say an off-color joke at work. He could hear me. There are microphones everywhere. It's a very secure place. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I explained to him, and basically he's like, "Yes, you should go. You should go and tell me how it goes." Like that was basically what he said. So oh, sweet. So I had I had boss boss boss's approval. So it sounded good to me. Yeah. And I literally flew out the next day. Wow. So Tuesday I flew out, Tuesday morning, first flight out on Tuesday. Out of Hilo, you probably bounced through Honolulu, and it was probably Honolulu to Chicago, if you're lucky. No, I don't think it was Chicago. I think it might have been, no, it might have been like Dallas or something. It was weird. It was all over the place. Oh, probably DFW, yeah, and then DFW to Washington. Yeah, something like that. And it was, it was, um, so it was a long flight there. It's long. It was, yeah, it was really long. Just for reference, everybody, that you you that's like twelve hours of travel time, like including layovers. But probably you're probably talking at least. It might have been longer. I think with layovers, it was like seventeen hours or something. I think it was like, I think it was either the end of the night or like early the next day. Or it was something ridiculous. It was a full day of travel. I was I remember being so burnt. Hmm. But um, it was funny because getting on the plane in Hilo. I had slippers on and like, you know, Hawaii clothes, like rubber slippers, mm-hmm. shorts, t-shirt. Cause I was thinking, Oh, I'll just change at a, at a certain leg of the, <laughs> they overbooked <laughs> the first flight. So they took my bags, they took my bags and I'm like, wait, you don't understand. I'm going to be my final destinations, DC. I need those clothes. They're like, Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So oh, no. I get, I get off at DC and I still have like my slippers on and everything. Yeah. And it's like, freezing it's yeah. like i don't know like 40 it was like 42 degrees or something oh, that day and then like oh. i just came from an area that was like 80 degrees right so yeah. i was freezing my ass off not in kansas anymore not in kansas and your 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 pack your bags were on a different plane i mean they, they came off with me but they uh they put it in the storage below oh right right, right. yeah they, right? they so checked they, they force checked it, checked it yeah mm. yeah so they didn't have it in the overhead and you're just wearing sandals <laughs> Uh, no, I was wearing shorts. I was wearing <laughs> literally clothes you wear in Hilo because I was thinking in my head, oh, I will change at some point, but I didn't have time to change. Oh, I, man. Yeah, so 
<laughs> so anyway, I get to DC. They had me stay at this. Uh, this You're uh, definitely wearing an Aloha shirt, right? Uh, I landed. I had a T-shirt on. I didn't have an Aloha shirt. Oh, okay. But anyway, so when I got to when I got there, the place they had me stay at was like this. They had me. I mean, how do I describe this? It was like a secret political thing. Like, <gasps> Ooh. I, uh, oh, I don't want you to get in trouble. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into too We're much. We're not gonna but, talk about how it was underground and the, robo- <laughs> well, the robots well, the, that gave you food. Well, the building. The building was a. Um, it was a Trader Joe's. So the building was a Trader Joe's. Oh, I love a Trader Joe's. Right. But here's the thing, though. So the building. It looked like the entire building was a Trader Joe's. <gasps> but there was like a side door. Oh my! God. And the side door goes. And it doesn't. It's unmarked. It just has a number on this it. This right? is it just, how DC works, Anthony. It's just a, an entire town. Sorry, an entire city of side doors and secret stuff, and you know, know there's a bunch. Like we know, we just know there's know. a bunch of underground bases, there's, and there's, we there's know silos right? and yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of stuff. That the, so, if you looked at the layout for that city, like the, there's a star made out of roads. I don't want to get into it. Okay, keep going. That's that's spooky. Uh, we'll get into weird. the tinfoil hat stuff next time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But no, anyway. it's not tinfoil. Like the, the, it's it's a weird layout for a city. It's it's well, fun to walk yeah, around. Yeah, it's a weird layout. But I feel like you were gonna say like you think it might have been because of like I don't know. No, I don't think <laughs> it's a massive. I don't think it's a Wiccan thing. I just Wiccan think that thing, they're yeah. weird. And um, yeah. Anyway, so so the building is Trader Joe's, right? Side door leads to like this elevator. The elevator it's like five floors. But it's all of this political office. So apparently, the office wraps around the entire Trader Joe's. So Trader Joe's <laughs> this is actually just like a, a dream. It sounds like a weird nightmare. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, wow, this Trader Joe's is, is pretty small for how big this building is. Mm. But it was literally the entire rest of it was this office. Obi Wan's there. That's no Trader Joe's. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that was where I ended up staying that the the three or four nights that I was there, and. So let's see. So I got there. I got there Wednesday. Did they ask you to speak? Like, what exactly did uh, did the executive branch need you for? Uh, they just wanted people in the audience, and they wanted to they wanted to invite only university students who had previously been wronged by their campuses. <sighs> so the entire audience was all college students or former college students who had basically lawsuits with their campuses, or were going through lawsuits, or had their story on the news for whatever reason, something like that, right? It was interesting because I was, huh. I I had the oldest case out of everyone in the audience. I yeah. was basically like the uh, the old man. Like everyone else was like eighteen <laughs> and nineteen. I'm just like okay, like what was I, twenty four or something? I'm just like this case is so old. I'm surprised anyone remembers me. Right. But um, it was very very sweet that they they invited me and flew you out. Yeah. So let's see. So on um, on the Thursday, so we we go to the White House. Oh, and the White House, it was really, the White House is very cool. Um, oh, did you get a tour of the inside? Oh, yeah, yeah, I went all inside the oh, White House. Oh, nice, I still haven't got to do that. So, there's a lot of security in the White House. Mm-hmm. So, they they basically check your ID a couple times, they make you answer questions that are on your ID, mm. and then they have you go into a room with dogs in it, and they're just sniffing you. Oh, yeah. Just a bunch of dogs, just a bunch of dogs sniffing you. You know, no big deal. They're going to know, um, they're going to know if you've been in a club that is even joked. <laughs> that is even joked about drugs. Yeah, this dog were, smells uh, the idea of drugs. 
<laughs> the dogs <laughs> look pretty, pretty scary too. Uh, and then the next were they Great is, Danes? I bet you they were Great Danes. Uh, uh, I don't remember. I really don't remember. Um, and then the fourth part of security was basically like an airport where they just like put your things in the bin, go through the the metal detector. <laughs> Have the guy, you know, check you with a wand or whatever, yeah. and then you just go through. So there was like a four-part check to uh, yeah. to actually go inside. So they know you don't have drugs. They've wanded your balls, so they know you don't have a gun in your underwear. And now you're good to go. Now you can go to the green room and the white room and the, you know, all, yeah. the all the great rooms. I don't remember. Room that, we're in the room that has the um, George Washington painting in it. I don't uh, know. Okay, uh, that might be the room. red room. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure, but... So they they had us kind of like take a look around quite a bit of the White House. I don't know, I don't know the room names or whatever. But there was like a there was one room that looked like a little library. Hmm. It was really cute. What was your impression? Was it bigger than you imagined? Oh, it's huge. It's a huge building. It's pretty big. And I've been on the outside. For, like for a building that old, it's it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And it's very very well made. It's a very nice building. Mm-hmm. Um, very schmancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, oh, oh, actually, it was funny. Um, Going up the stairs, I remember going up the stairs, there was like a tiny little, uh, like a little mini orchestra, like a little <gasps> band, a little string band playing music. Aww. And and like, it was just like, you were greeted by this band playing music, and um, there's just like a table full of like glasses of water, and oh, there's gosh. people just kind of hanging around looking, you know, fancy and political. Some classy and shit going on right it was, there. It was pretty classy. It was it was fun, and uh, then we went into the the room that they were going to do the the whole spiel. Um, it was kind of cool because you got to see a lot of the guys, a lot of those like political the cor- the White House correspondents. You know those guys that you see on TV. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they raised yeah, so, their hands a lot. Yeah, yeah, those guys. So a lot of those were there. So a lot of the guys that you'd see on TV were there. Anybody you recognize? I don't know any of their names. I recognize yeah. the faces though. Yeah, it's kind of weird when it happens. And. Let's see. Um, Hawaii is such a different world than the mainland. You must have felt like a real... What did that feel like? I mean, you must have felt like, well, I, well, this is really different. I feel like an outsider, but what an interesting historical place. Yeah, so, so I felt like an outsider in the sense that, like, I definitely don't have... I don't have the political background. Like, I had a brief stint with political activism in college, but, like... Right. This is we're talking years later now. We're talking different president. We're talking I out of college. I have a job. I don't even think about politics anymore and I got invited to this thing. So Yeah, you're working with databases and stuff. Yeah, like I'm I'm I yeah. exactly. Like it's a for me like I I don't even resonate with this world anymore. And so it was kind of interesting to kind of be thrown back into it for just like a week. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was really cool. But anyway, um back to the story. I'll tell you Yes, tell you please. The story. Okay, so, <laughs> so it's your show. It, whenever I interview somebody, it's their show. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Mm. So sat down. We see the press pool. Um, you know all these news organizations, and then like then the the the, the band plays uh, whatever is like held to the chief or I don't know. They play something that sounds very American and official. Very American. And then and then the then the president of the United States walks in, and everyone's just like, oh. There he is. Like it was, it was actually really interesting to see, um, you know, to see him up, up in close was in his, real life. Was his, his, was his skin as orange as you might imagine? Ah, okay. So you're not the first person to ask me that. Um, no, I mean, I think that's his, a fair question. His skin, his skin was not as orange, mm-hmm. but he 
his hair is definitely a lot thinner in person. Mm. Like he is definitely. I mean, the guy's in his seventies, right? He's definitely balding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not so, no, no shame in that. Yeah, no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Like his he was definitely he's his hair is thinning out, uh, but he definitely was not as orange as the TV makes him out to be. Mm. But yeah, so that, that, so he shows up. Um, he gives his little spiel, um, you know, about like college campuses, this and that. Like students, you know. Got to feel comfortable on campus, no matter what their political background is. And at this time, he had only been in office for a little, for like maybe a year. Yeah, he might have been Two in years? office for about a year. So, um, and you know what? Like, I think his first year. I mean, obviously, there's there, he had all sorts of shit his entire his entire time. But you're saying um, that the orange man had controversy? That's well, yeah. I mean, he had controversy his, a... the entire time. But uh, in the first year, it wasn't as bad as like <laughs> yeah. like I could tell people like, "Hey, I'm going to the White House," and nobody was like, "I'm gonna kill you." Like, don't associate <laughs> with orange man. Like, it was just oh. like, okay, well, you know, I don't agree with him. You know, have fun. You know, it wasn't like. <laughs> like by the time it was the end of the presidency, it was like, whoa, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course that's anyone else can tell you how that went. Yeah. So yeah, he does the he does the executive order, he signs it on the paper, and he gives it to one of the students that was on stage with him. So not all of us were on stage with him. It was just maybe like five of the guys were on stage and everyone else was in the audience. It was pretty much like the five with the worst stories were the ones who uh <laughs> It was yeah. It was really um like wow. my college like, hit me with a truck. Well, it was like um, one kid's one kid's one was um he, his his dorm got set on fire because he was conservative. <laughs> oh, like, that's terrible! Oh my god! Like, I get you disagree with the guy. Don't fucking set his room on fire. My Sorry god. for that f word. No, no, no. It's an explicit show. It's an explicit show, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. don't set the room on fire because, of, like, you disagree with the guy, Jesus. That's not, that's not going to be helpful yeah. at all. It wasn't helpful. It didn't, it didn't help uh, convince anyone on either side. Mm. So, I mean, the rest of it was pretty straightforward. Like, he signed it, he gave the pen to someone, mm. and then he just kind of walked out the room. Mm. I think my understanding was they wanted, originally we were going to, like, see more of the White House, but then I think he had something... That was pretty important. I think something in the Middle East was happening like at the exact same time. So he had to do like another another important meeting thing. So yeah. it kind of shoot everyone out of the White House like maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes afterwards. They didn't keep people like hanging around for a while. And it was it was kind of funny. Like before the, the thing, we were like taking pictures in, in, in the White House and all that. And I remember like there was one picture I took. I was in front of the, um, the portrait of Bill Clinton. And uh. I had... Um, someone took a pic, like, I, there was a guy standing around, and I had him take a picture of me, mm. and he was joking, like, oh, uh, Monica Lewinsky, uh, was probably under that desk at that exact moment, like, he said something around the lines of that, and I thought that was pretty cool, <laughs> and it turns, it turns out the guy was a freaking Secret Service guy, I was like, what? The guy who made the but, joke was in the Secret Service? Well, the guy, the guy who made the joke and took the picture, I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> like. That's cool. And he couldn't tell he was in he was in civvies. He, everyone else looked everyone else looked like, I mean everyone looked the same, right? But then I noticed he had the earpiece. Yep. I was like, oh, that's why he was just standing around. So, oh, he, he's making sure. Yeah, he's making sure. Uh, not no funny business. Yeah, because he he looked a little like he looked a little bit more stern than everyone else. But then like he joked when he took the picture. I was like, huh, that's weird. But um. <laughs> Oh, they're trained. I'm sure they're trained to use comedy to, uh, you know, divert 
distract uh, or de- mostly de-escalate. Oh yeah, yeah. They they must have all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, and then after that, um, didn't you run into somebody in a weird? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna just dive through my whole life now, huh? Well, um, I should have so warned you. One... <laughs> I mean, we could talk about that in the after show if you want. <laughs> I suppose we could. No, well, I mean, we already mentioned now on the live show, so Maybe that's how you guess how you keep a couple. Well, yeah. Either way. Oh, so the next bit will be on Patreon. No, mm-hmm, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, one of the one of the people that I ran into over there. I actually met her previously on a vacation in Ireland, of all places. <laughs> so I ran into her. The first time I met her was on a on a bus into Dublin, and she was there huh. for some political thing. I don't really want to get into that. That's a whole. That'll turn into a whole discussion. But no, no, that's okay. she she was there for some political thing that was happening at the same time. Uh, it was something I disagreed with, but I was you know very. Very cordial and very like, oh, okay, I disagree with that, but, you know, you have a wonderful time, whatever. And that, honestly, that's a side of you that I see come out, and like a really good side of you. Like, you know where to be cordial when you disagree, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're such a good businessman, to be honest, is you you know when to keep it professional, you, you let these things slide off your back, or you appear to. You're very, you can read the room really well, and I think that serves you. That's... I appreciate that. I, that is something. I do. I really that. Yeah, that's something I've noticed about you, Anthony. But sorry, go on. I, I interrupted you. And so anyway, um, now we're talking two two years later, maybe maybe three years later. Yeah, two years. I run into this person now in Washington D.C. and it was funny because I spent the whole weekend with this person, and I just like you know like she just looks familiar, this and that, and then like we had we had we even had lunch. Like it was like. Me, her, and like two others, we just had lunch nearby oh, nice. at like this burger place, and we were just chatting. And I'm like, wow, she just sounds very like where I just can't put my finger on it. And then like as we were like we were head we we were heading back, and I think everyone was about to leave, and like leave for the airport. And I think I mentioned like, by any chance, were you in Ireland like two years ago? <laughs> and she was just like, yes. Wait a second, and I'm like, yes, you were the girl on the bus, and she's like. Oh, that's right. I do remember seeing your face before, and because we were just like, "This is so confusing. What's going on?" And um, yeah, do of I course, know it happened you like, from a past life. I'm so confused. Yeah. Exactly, and it was <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, of course, it happens. Like as I'm leaving, like otherwise, I would have had a chat about that. But yeah. um, it was just on the way out, so I thought that was really, it was really some. Overall, that was a really fun. That was a really fun experience. Was yeah, she... just kind of like. Oh, I was gonna say, was mm-hmm? she from Hawaii as well, or probably from another state? Oh God, no! I was the only one from Hawaii there. She was from, um, she was from like California or something. Mm. She was on the West Coast, I believe. Mm. But um, yeah, it was just kind of interesting to see, to to meet someone in another country, in another continent, and then like <laughs> run into them at like another like odd moment in your life. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll run into her again. Who knows? Well, you might run into all sorts of people. I mean, I've I've run into people from Hawaii in other states and i just be like oh wow what are you doing here <laughs> it's happened before i went to high school with you why are you in idaho <laughs> yeah like <laughs> i mean i know uh, it's got a lot of sunny days but why are you in idaho <laughs> i ran into someone i went to i think i went to high school with and i i saw him at um it was mount hood in oregon and he was just like a like a ski instructor or something i don't know hmm. but it was just like oh wow like what are you doing here he's like i work here 
Oh wow. <laughs> well, no, I, no, man. it's it's a crazy it's a crazy um synchronicity that can happen when you run into somebody that you I mean, especially from like Ireland to DC, it's pretty pretty far apart, you can <laughs> Yeah, I would you, say so. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Uh, we should we should start to wrap it up a little bit uh, so we have time for a little after show because I like to do an after show where, where, where it's weirder. I, I was thinking about something the other day, and maybe you can share your reflection on this. And, and also, thanks for sharing that story. That What an interesting... So you didn't get to shake his hand, but at least you got to you got to uh, hear the president speak, which is... Most people don't oh, get yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was very interesting. Um, and I, got, I did get to meet, actually, some of the, um, the, the former cabinet members and all that. It was... Uh, yeah, it was interesting. What if it be any some... names I would recognize? Uh, yeah, you'll definitely recognize some names. I don't know if I want to say them oh. on the podcast, oh, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, Slow Your Roll kind of reminds me of a sitcom sometimes, in the best way. But also kind of like a podcast, and maybe it's because I'm a podcast nerd. But there's this old saying in podcasts, old podcasts have only been around for like, what, 15 years that for a podcast you come for the topic but you tend to stay subscribed for the personalities and i feel like slow your roll is a little bit like that you we come for the games but i think people it keeps people coming back because there are some people i mean not to reveal too much but there are some folks that are just coming and talk and hang out for a little while and they might not even play a game they just stop in to say hi to their friends usually they play a game but not always and i think that shows a strength of how safe and special that place is to people on this side of the island it kind of feels like it feels like and i think i said this before there's a it feels like a pub in the old sense of the word like a public space a public house where people go and they want to bring their friends and they want to introduce their friends to this great environment and i think that's why it continues to grow organically maybe that's a little bit of a stretch but i think come for the topic stay for the personalities uh applies somewhat have you heard of the concept of uh, third place uh i think that's a is, is that a thing in dating you, you can't go to a third location you got to be careful no, by the third date, then you go no. to a third place. Wait, what's the rule? Uh, no. Go ahead, call Okay, it. so a third place. <laughs> so your, your first place is your home, and your second place is your work. Mm-hmm. So your third place is a place for you to hang out when you're not you know, at home or working. It's kind of like your go-to destination. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of one of the things that I want to make Slower become for a lot of folks. I want it to become their third place. I want it to be their place where they're like, this is this is this is where I go to socialize. This is where I go to hang out. Well, I would say that you definitely succeeded, at least for me. It's my third. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm I'm looking up right now who who came up with that? Who came up with third place? Because uh Kawasaki. Earl Nightingale. Um, Napoleon Hill. Um, I'm not sure. Okay, uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, third places is a term coined by sociologist Ray Oldenburg and refers to places where people spend time between home, their first place, and work, their second place. They are locations where we exchange ideas, 
have a good time and build relationships. That's what it's about. You know? That's what it's about. They they did this study that I'm sure you've heard of where most of the happiness that a human being received was from their connections, from their relationships. It wasn't about stuff, although some stuff is good to have and necessary. It was about the quality of their relationships. And that's a, something that Slow Your Roll helps with. You know, it brings nerdy people and smart people together. And um, we didn't even talk about the, the D&D. There's some great role-playing that's been going on the last, what would you say, hmm, coming up on like eight months now, I think, that I've yeah. had the opportunity to participate in and really appreciate it. You're trying, it kind of feels like a social laboratory sometimes. Kind of is, in, in a way. Um, in the best so possible the, I, way. <laughs> in, the, in the best possible way. The, the, re- like the, the reason for doing so many Dungeons & Dragons tables, we, we figured it was, a, it was a good way for people to have a chance at meeting new people while kind of being contained to their own like weekly bubble versus like, you know, kind of moving around and meeting different people every week. It's like, you can meet these people and now you're going to hang out with them for you know maybe once a week for three four hours a day and like you can just like these people you're always hanging out with you can you know you're just you're you're gaining new friends new experiences at the same time it's been a lot harder with covid but we we made it work you did you did and you definitely um i mean people wear masks and we're careful about it um although on this island i'm your present situation excluded being that your housemate your housemate got it honestly your housemate is the first person i've heard of that i've been like semi directly connected to in over a year that's had it i mean we basically have been averaging the last three months i think we've been averaging like five new cases a day on the island something like that maybe Mm -hmm. seven yeah it's, it's been Relatively small. I do know a couple other people who've gotten it um, on island, mm-hmm. um, but that's also because um, a lot of the people that go to Sloyal uh, work at the hospital, yeah. or at least they used to go to Sloyal often until they have to, you know, now now they don't show up so much be- for good reason. I mean, if you're working in like the COVID ward, right. it would probably be a good idea to stay home when you're not working. But um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to our first responders and medical personnel, yep. by the way. Thank you for your service. All guys. Truly. All of you. And all the essential workers. So we'll start to wrap up, but I, just in terms of wrapping this wonderful gift of an interview that you've shared with me today, Anthony, into a little bit of a bow, how do you see sustainable and local businesses evolving into the future? Are there any patterns with, I'm I'm sure you know plenty of other entrepreneurs on the island. Um, Are there any patterns you've noticed that seem to work or, or do you feel like it's really dependent on the specific, I guess maybe a better question would be businesses where people actually come in and share space and have a community element are there any patterns that you've noticed that work? And what do you see for the future of of business in Hawaii and, and business for Slow Your Roll? Kind of an open-ended question. That's a great question. So a couple of things. Well, one, I see, I see the future of businesses on island. It's kind of almost like an adapt-or-die kind of mindset that's happening right now. Yeah. How I see it is a lot of these businesses, they are, they are quickly... 
modernizing how they do things. And I'm talking about small businesses now, hmm. whether it's, um, you know, the smaller restaurants um, doing food delivery now, which, you know, maybe five years ago, very few places in Hawaii were doing food delivery other than other than like pizza places. I can't think of really anyone who did food delivery. That's a really and good now, point. Everyone does it now. And um, a lot of the ones who didn't do it pretty much closed, right? So mm-hmm. adapt or die in that kind of mindset. And then to your second question, where like how, how the spaces themselves will evolve, I do feel like in the future there are going to be a lot more businesses kind of similar to Slow Roll in the, in the fact that like they're community spaces, they're places for people to... People uh, for people of a certain type of mindset or like hobby to just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. Not so like I do feel like when we talk about or people on on the internet or whatever or TV they talk about the death of retail. I feel like in a way um, retail is going to kind of reevolve itself into you know some sort of new new thing. Like for instance, I think. A lot of these big stores are going to kind of gobble up a lot of the smaller stores, but yeah. I do feel like there's going to be a lot of things where people who like certain things can go to a place where it's like we're saying like it's a third place. It's like if you're a music lover, you're going to go here. This lounge is a music lounge, and maybe we'll sell stuff to you. Like I, I think that's going to be there's going to be a lot more of that rather than pure stores or office spaces. I think those are going to be phasing out in the future. Especially with work from home, there's really no reason for small offices to even exist. Like, if you're an office of six people, why are you even showing up? Like, if you, yep. if, if there's no, if if you can do everything on a computer and there's like ten or less of you, like, why are you even showing up? Just go work from home. So, I think a lot of those kind of tiny um, commercial spaces are gonna are gonna turn into something else in the future. They're not gonna they're not gonna stay as office spaces. And a lot of these retail places are going to either adapt or die. So I think Hawaii is starting to pick up on that. Hawaii is kind of known for being behind the times, but I do feel like Hawaii is starting to kind of adapt in a way. Like you, you can kind of see it in in downtown in downtown Hilo with the type of businesses that are opening up lately. Hmm. You know, you have other than Slow Your Roll, you have um, I mean, you have Antics Pizza, which is taking the concept of a pizzeria and tying it into vintage video games. Yeah, lovely and place. And lovely place, instant hit. They accommodate for, they even have like vegan options yep. and um, like vegetarian options and they do all sorts of stuff now. Like they have all sorts of games and they have like the skater community there too. And like they've really, they found a way to turn it into a third place of sorts. So they're really nice. Other places in downtown, there's like a laser tag place, Hilo Laser Tag, another really cool place where they incorporate like, you know, laser tag, but then they also have like other kind of gaming and they do, they do, um, I think they do like outside, um, like, I think it was like bowling kind of stuff, but they do all sorts of like weird, like, like outdoor social kind of gaming stuff. The laser tag does outside bowling? I think they do, I don't know if it's bowling, but they do, they do like events where they can, they'll come to you. And then they'll set some stuff up. Oh, cool. Yeah, I still necessary. haven't been to the laser tag place. I know you mentioned it to me uh, New Year's Eve. I got to check yeah. that out. They're really cool. And now they're doing VR stuff. And mm. I mean, now like there's a place opening up in downtown right now called Frustrations that's doing um, like a rage room. 
And that's another concept where I... <gasps> Is I that where you get a bowling ball and you destroy old TVs? Pretty much, yeah. So, so you know, you know what, what it is. Um, a lot of folks here, they don't understand these concepts, right? So these are newer, these are newer types of businesses. Uh-huh. These are businesses that maybe for the last five, six, seven years, you might see them on the mainland, or you might see them in other countries. But we're starting to like, oh, okay, well, Hawaii's starting to see that. Like, I would not be surprised if in the next two years we'll see like a cat cafe or something in Hilo. Like I, I do, <laughs> I do anticipate like these kind of off-ball, these oddball businesses to start opening up because, like your your typical retail, your typical office space, there's no reason for these kinds of things to exist as as we kind of evolve as a society and you know COVID kind of sped that process up. So now really it's did. like let's create more destinations for people to go to, and you know third places and like unique concepts. I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to make people want to kind of spend their money. Because otherwise, it's like, well, why why go to this retail store? I could just buy it on Amazon. It's cheaper, then, right? If it's if it's strictly if the only if it's a strictly transactional relationship yeah. between you know business and customer, there's no reason for me to shop there. I'll just buy it on Amazon. Just have but the if, robots deliver it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm saying this as uh, you know, and I'm not even a fan of Amazon at all. Like anyone uh, who knows me knows I'm not a fan of Amazon. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying from a purely like consumer mindset, you, you're gonna if you want to bring in people, you're gonna want to create more value for a customer. So I think Hawaii is starting to understand that, hmm. um, but only I mean we won't know till years from now whether I'm right or wrong. I think you're. I think I think that there's a lot of truth in that. I really think that we are going to start to see. I hope. Um, more oddball, experimental, innovative ideas. And, you know, you say that Hawaii is a little behind the times, and I think I think that there's some truth to that, but in some ways, it's ahead. You know, how many, how many places are powered off the grid by solar here? Yeah, you know, no, you're it, absolutely right. It, it's, a, it's an interesting mix. It kind of feels like an alternate reality sometimes. From, yeah, from a sustainability standpoint, Hawaii is doing very well. But even then, Hawaii Hawaii is... I feel like Hawaii is behind in terms of recycling. Uh, unfortunately. It's so hard to recycle here, right? And then you go to somewhere else and they're just like, oh, you can recycle anything. So, <clears throat> like, it's funny because Hawaii is in some ways very self-sustainable. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who have land and they feed off the land. But mm-hmm. then you have, like, these things where it's like, why is it so difficult to recycle things in Hawaii? I mean, just if there was solutions to these kinds of things, we would be really top shape. Isn't it mostly the local government isn't really backing the recycling as much as they used to? Um, you know, I think the local government here is really, really horrible, but that's a whole nother... <laughs> that's another pie. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. That wasn't even a rhetorical question. I haven't really delved into why recycling is the way it is, but um, hopefully we'll get, we'll get better at that, but... Um, yeah, is there anything that you'd like to to say or or to plug before we wrap up and go into uh, an after show? Brief after yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I'm I'm very thankful that you uh invited me onto your show. Um well, hopefully the honor is mine. Oh. <sighs> well, hopefully your viewers if they are in Hawaii or visiting Hawaii, um if they could spend some time and visit Slowly Roll. Uh we're located in downtown Hilo right next to the Hilo Town Tavern, right above the former Pond Pie, 
uh, now called Mom's Hilo, a very delicious place. Um, or, you know, like we've talked about for the last two hours, board gaming lounge, lots yeah. of cool people. And honestly, if you're on the east side of the island, you're going to drive like within a block of slow your roll anyway. So you might as well yep. punch it into Google Maps or Apple Maps or MapQuest if you're 99 years old and it'll pop up. I think it's on MapQuest. Does that still exist? I don't know. And they should if, they should follow you on Instagram at Slow Your Roll Gaming and Facebook at Slow Your Roll Gaming. Okay, yep. keep going, keep going. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was just about to say that. But yeah, no, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, we got a website, www.slowyroll.com. Um, you can email me if you wanted to at sales at slowyroll.com. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can get in contact with me or any of my employees, and we would be happy to answer any questions about gaming or, you know, about our community or whatever. We just appreciate any business that comes our way. So, yeah, I mean, really guys, like, um, if you find yourself in in the belly button of the world, as one of my friends calls it, Hawaii, uh, this place is sort of a Mecca for nerdy, smart people. And if you like gaming at all and board games at all, or, um, or even trading card games, uh, I, you, I mean, this is this is because um, I'm really lucky. But you actually even just gave me like a Pokemon deck, and I learned how to play Pokemon a couple months ago, which I never thought I would do. And <laughs> it's pretty fun. I think I prefer D and D myself, but uh, yeah, it's really worth stopping in. I'm not even being paid to say that. I just love the place. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you in uh, in about seven eight days once I'm out of here. I know house arrest. <laughs> I, I I I almost feel like sending you. Uh, oh, I almost said Amazon. They're not a sponsor, um, but I almost feel like sending you an Amazon link to these uh, vitamin D three gummies. Speaking of gummies, and they have zinc, and they're really good for your immune system. They're like my new thing. I'm taking um, men's once a day, as well as vitamin C dietary supplements. Nice. So hopefully, hopefully that will prevent me from getting, you know. It, it helps, you know, you get what you got to do is, is what they call, they call it a buff, right? You got to buff your immune system. And then when you, um, when you go into battle with, uh, microorganisms, uh, you know, you have more HP and then you can win. <laughs> oh, that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Medical <laughs> according to role playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Everybody should check out slowyroll.com and, uh, stay tuned for a lot more, interesting strange unconventional interviews and uh oh and also before i forget um to hear the after show that's patreon.com slash hello crusoe and that'll be in the show the show notes and all the show notes and the pictures if i have any for this show will be on uh well they'll be on my website uh m-y-t-h myth dot l-i there will be a link to podcast on there and if you enjoy the show, leaving a review on iTunes always really helps. I think it's called Apple Podcasts now. I don't know. I keep changing things. Or Google Podcasts. Google's doing that thing. I heard Spotify's doing podcasts. Is that true? I don't know if you can leave a review for a podcast on Spotify, but this, if everything goes to plan, this will also be on Spotify. So thanks for, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show, Anthony. I really appreciate it. I'm really thankful that uh, you had some time today, truly. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. It's really interesting listening to that now over a year later 
and how much we were thinking about COVID. And you know, it's a, luckily, it's a bit better now. I want to say thanks again to Anthony for coming on the show. Maybe we can have him on again sometime. And for this week's Patreon supporter bonus, you knew this was coming, I'm providing an awesome after show. It's about 45 minutes where Anthony shares his personal investment tips with us from investing in art to precious metals and what has worked for him. He has some pretty insightful things to say, and you won't want to miss that. Really, it's, it's awesome. So here's the deal. For just $5 a month, which is our starting tier, you get access to all the behind-the-scenes photos from my books and all the audiobooks for 10,000 Hours in Paradise, which is a $60 value, and all the after shows to Ascendant and my old podcast, Holo Holo Time, when you support the show on Patreon. And you can cancel any time. It won't hurt my feelings. I actually recommend it to people, just get it for one month to just get some of the free stuff and enjoy it, and you can cancel it after one month. Because I just want to get this out in the world more. Just go to patreon.com slash hellocruso. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Hello, C-R-U-S-O-E, or you can click the link on my website, which is just my name, andrewcrusoe.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-C-R-U-S-O-E.com. Once again, thanks to everyone who has supported this show in any way. It's been quite an adventure, whether it be my beautiful Patreon supporters or all of the amazing people who have left reviews on my books and my podcasts or anywhere else. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, you probably figured out I'm still podcasting from the road. I expect to be doing this for a while longer, and I'm doing my best to balance everything and keep to the posting schedule that I have. Sometimes it's down to the wire, but that might be tricky in Nepal. It's not the same, but even if I slip by a few days, I'm endeavoring that my guests and the uniqueness of those shows makes up for it. And once again, if you have any questions or creative feedback or constructive feedback, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm not that hard to find. And if you aren't already, please subscribe to this show. It makes sure you don't, you know, miss any episodes. You can subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And you can also find me on TikTok. I know, I know, the cult is real. It's not a cult, but it's it's a place that's addictive, but it's so fun. There's so much creativity happening over there. And as well as Instagram, I post basically the same videos on both, but the editing on TikTok's a little better. And of course, even on Twitter, if you use that, um, I'm sharing really fun clips. And on YouTube, let's not forget that. I am sharing almost every day videos of my adventures across Europe and Asia right now. And I am going to have some awesome guests coming up. <laughs> so, and there's a lot to manage sometimes. So if I sound like I'm all over the place sometimes, that's because I might be a little bit all over the place, but I know where my focus is, and that is facilitating these conversations and then preserving them and delivering them for you. Namaste.